I'm Sir Flobogen Thunderhammer. And I'm Teflon Frosthammer. And I'm Cabbage Tidehammer. And this is West. Just a second. If Ampguard Knighthood means anything, you can't knife a motherfucker and keep it. And the thing that people need to understand centrally about arts and sciences events is that your scores don't matter. Do you want a black phoenix or a white phoenix? Jeez, language, man. We're on a freaking podcast for fuck's sake. Yeah. Mind-blowing experience, right? Hello, everyone, and welcome to WAC, where we dis- discuss topics important to the AmpGuard community at large and talk with interesting people from around the foam-fighting world. This week, we have one that we've been wanting to get to for a very long time. Thank you so much, our guests from Darkon, for joining us. I want to start off a little non-traditionally, since we have several guests. Could you please introduce each? Uh, you, could you please introduce yourselves? I haven't had enough caffeine today, <laughs> and then tell us a little bit about Darkon. Uh, we can start with Aaron. Hey, good evening. My name is Aaron Nab. Uh, I am Kai Firebrand in uh, the LARP community. Um, I started out in Darkon back in 2003. I've also played a lot of other LARP, uh, LARP organizations, as well as Dagger here, Ampguard, Belagarth. Okay. Um, I'm a knight currently in Darkon uh, as of 2013. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with a company... Uh, their company is in AmpGuard um, with a company called No Quarter. In, uh, in Darkon, we call them Countries. Um, and that's, uh, that's a little bit about myself. Cool. Why don't we go to, uh, it looks like it says Fix. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's all good. That's Fikes. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got uh, that on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, my name is Yanje Castellanos, better known as Fikes Firebrand. And I got my start in LARP in Dagger here sometime, I think, in 2011 or so. And I've been playing Darkon probably since 2013. I'm a knight of Darkon as well, and I avidly cross-game into AmpGuard. Oh, wow. I do it all. I love the wax. <laughs> I love them for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then last but not least, we have uh, in the Zoom call Brady, I believe. Hi there. Uh, I'm Brady Reichert. Uh, in-game, uh, I'm Radby Bardhart. Um, I got started with Darkon in uh, 2015, and since then I've gone on to become an admin of the club, so I'm the current president. And I'm also a new uh, amp garter. Uh, I just started um, just right before the pandemic hit, um, but I also look forward to learning more about amp garter my journeys as well. That's fantastic. Thanks, everybody. Um, so right off the bat, our, our goal here is to kind of discuss Darkon and introduce it to uh, amp guarders who you know we're familiar with LARPs that are kind of close to us. So things like Dagger here, Belagarth, those are all very familiar to amp guarders in, in general. Um, SCA as well, just because it's like you know it's it's almost universally known among people who LARP. Um, Darkon is one of those that we hear about. We've talked about on the show in passing before, but we don't really know a lot about it. And there's not anybody in our local community, at least, who plays. Um, so we're trying to sort of bridge that gap and talk about them both. Um, just off the bat, there was one thing that was said amongst, I think, well, by a couple of you, um, you have a knighthood in your game. Can you talk to us about how that works, how it's achieved and what it means for Darkon? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I'll start out a bit just, you know, what is, what is Darkon, um, and how it compares, you know, towards AmpGuard or some of the other LARP communities. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Dark, Darkon is, uh, it's has a long, long history. It's been around since the late 70s, early 80s, uh, coming about from a community called Amarthengarth. Um, around the same time Dagger here was formed, uh, 
Darkon is a wargaming LARP uh, community. It is a full contact community. So you can kind of, it kind of bridges the gap between say Dagger here, where it's a, it's a full contact um, fighting all the time style of uh, LARP versus uh, Amp Guard, which has um, different like militia battles versus battle games, uh, ditches, etc. cetera. Uh, Darkon has uh, magic like uh, Amp Guard does in battle games. Um, and so it kind of bridges the gap between the two of a full fighting, full contact fighting community alongside uh, classes and magic um, that the Emperor battle games provide and um, does a lot with adventures. Uh, we do adventures, we do camping style adventures uh, where it's an entire weekend of uh, fun fighting monsters, uh, grouping up together with your, your favorite, your favorite, you know, uh, small groups, large groups. Uh, we do large, uh, scale battle games so uh, talking on the realm of like 50 to 60 people per side on uh, an average battle day and then some of our large uh large battle events throughout the year we can see up to two, two to three hundred people oh wow how frequently does that happen um like how frequently do you do events where this type of thing is going to take place uh so our events are by month are bi-weekly so every other weekend on a sunday uh here in the maryland dc area um, and then our large scale events, like our camp camping style events, uh, we usually have five to six per year, oh, wow. uh, with one of them being our largest event of the year, um, which actually just happened uh, last month called Bella Maternus. Oh, um, nice. we, had, we had our ninth annual Bella Maternus as of last month. Um, and that is a four day, four day event, essentially, oh, wow. uh, starting Wednesday night into uh, Sunday morning. That's super cool. Yeah. So I heard a few things in there that I wanted to ask you about before we move on. Um, it, from an outside perspective, you know, in in AmpGuard we have battle games and we do have uh, monsters for our questing. But at least at the parks around here, that is very rarely done on a local park level. Usually, things like that are only used when you go to one of the four big kingdom events a year. Also, like adventures as the name of it, rather than just an event. Yeah. yeah, right. So, it sounds like that you have quite a bit more of that worked into your your weekly meetings. Did I understand that correctly? To some extent, um, you know, some some events that we have, uh, you can see a lot of uh, two team style events where we're just pairing pairing people on one side of the field and going at it, and uh, just a battle game style or. I guess would be closer closer to like more ditch style, but um, having uh, but we keep the spells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, keep, yeah. yeah, we keep all, all there's a yeah all the rules are in effect at all times in our game. Um, we do, like and this. then as um, as more people volunteer to help run adventure style events, is uh, more getting into it. Right. Um, so it's a it's it is a volunteer based game, and so the more people we have volunteer, obviously the more effort we can put into doing some of those adventures which is really awesome yeah we um, we get that one yeah <laughs> um you know, it is... something... oh go ahead. go ahead brady sorry i was gonna say something that is interesting that we have is we have a land map that actually encourages politics um i have seen and this land between map. different countries in our game um so at the start of our events um basically there are hexes that different countries have on a map and um at the start of the events, we have these things called land actions where folks can encounter different monsters or um, attempt to take territories that are held by other countries. So it also encourages like a lot of politicking 
and relationships alliances um, really helps to coat some RP paint onto each one of our gatherings that we have. So it really gives uh, really gives that why uh, folks are fighting and gives that purpose to a lot of our gatherings. So this is something I've seen uh, referenced before. It's that that hex grid. You said there were 20, 20 countries. I, I didn't hear the exact number. Um, uh, I no, I'd say right now we're about at uh, nine active countries at the okay. moment. And so roughly how big are those? I assume they span across the U.S., so a couple of states per country, roughly. Uh, oh, I think you're uh, I think you're kind of... Darkon is local. Pike's probably the, the better one. Yeah, no, so Darkon is uh, currently local to, like, the Maryland, Virginia, D.C. kind of area. Okay, this is what wow. I was going to... Yeah, okay, I didn't know yeah. the scope of it. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. We, do have, we do have Darkon chapters that do span, you know, nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, there's several across the across the nation. Um all three of us are from the Darkon in Maryland, Virginia, DC area, right. uh, known as Darkon Crownlands. And there's a couple other uh, chapters that are in agreement with us um, as far as utilizing our rule set um, okay. and keeping in touch with us. So this is really cool. So um, the other question I had, just having seen this map referenced before, is um, you said it, it for every adventure or for every big event it resets, or is this a thing that continues throughout the year? How is this map? Uh, is it a constantly running thing that morphs over time? How does it work? Yeah. So, the, so the land map is a is a perpetual uh, it's a perpetual map essentially. That's really cool. uh, um, so you cool. can uh, have uh, you know several countries essentially start with you know so many hexes of land. I think the current rules state thirteen hexes of land, and there are many things that you can do uh, from developing cities or mines within your land map, as well as you know taking over other lands nearby, which are generally neutral and could be infested with monsters. Where you go on a monster, essentially a monster hunting event. Um, and then, and a lot of that is the rule sets are based on dice rolls and certain classes have uh, some abilities that can alter the effect, the outcomes of those rolls, um, either easier or harder. And then you also have, um, then you can also get into wars with other countries where if your borders are coming up to another country or you're nearby another uh, country on the land map and you want some of their land, you could essentially go to war with them to take, to take over. So I want to, I want to kind of double dip onto this a little bit you said countries and and just to make sure that the amp guard audience understands when you're meaning countries for us company. it's kind of like fighting companies right it's, it's a fighting yeah. company. okay so cool. it's essentially it's a- fighting companies uh darkon has a from from what i understand darkon has a little bit more um i guess influence from the country slash company uh standpoint in the sense of uh like these the land map itself you know formulates uh countries and i guess influence um, but also our rule sets, um, the way that we vote on rules is based on countries. Um, oh, a country provides two senators to our democratic rule uh, rule changes. Oh, that's, oh, that's really, really cool. cool. <laughs> okay, so it's it's not like the bigger company always wins. There's uh, equal representation. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. it's a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I want to like make a republic, sure that... but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure high. that I understand something too, because I think this is a very unique. Uh, part of uh, of your game when if all of us were in a company and we were looking to expand our lands then we we say okay we're choosing this hex over here and we we roll and I come back and I say well sire this is currently infested with orcs and so we know ahead of time what we'd be getting into if we chose to go and assault this uh, hypothetical neutral providence that we would be going into 
and could kind of base whether we want to do it now or maybe that's worth holding off and trying for an easier target later. Yeah, so there's a there's a couple of different rules that are stated within that hypothetical scenario. Okay. Um, one of those is we have a, a class called the Ranger class, which is, you know, anybody in any sort of fantasy setting would understand, you know, what a Ranger is out to do. Yep. Um, and he has the capability to uh, somewhat influence uh, the role, the randomized roles that are going to happen on that hex, um, but also uh, come to understand, you know, that forethought of what get the intel about that land. He could get intel about perhaps what uh, what resources are on that land, as well as the type of monsters that are there. And that could influence the amount of uh, players you might take to help out with that. Because uh, you could hire out to other countries, um, as well as you might take specific classes to help you with those, with those monsters. So I guess some of our, our confusion might be from like, not understanding how the setup of the event actually runs, right? So like, we understand how the map sort of works, but like, you you mentioned something that that per, uh, piques my interest quite a bit about like sending a number of players. So do you have like a like some of the lightest touch LARPs have like the mod team right who runs all of the uh, the encounters and things like that. And so sometimes you'll have multiple mods going on at the same time. Are you running multiple hexes at the same time then um, when you're doing uh, I guess hex moves or whatever? Yeah, so we generally run them fairly quickly. Uh, we have somebody. Uh, at the event that's con- they're called the land marshal um and again it would be represented by you know like a mod mod person or mod team um and they have volunteers that help them run as monsters of the group um and what the, what's done is all of these roles and things that are happening have through the check-in period to get ready um essentially for their actions so between we start at noon and go through 1 p.m for check-in um by the end of 1 p.m uh, by the end of 1 p.m you're your country has to essentially get an idea of what they want to do. They talk to the land marshal and they get it all set up. And then at 1 PM, um, all those events take place. Um, usually it takes between 30 to 30 minutes to an hour to get through everything. Oh, wow. And then our regular day event starts after that. Oh, that's oh, really cool. That would be, yeah. be kind of like the flow of it. Absolutely. Well said, Kai. Um, and a lot of the, a lot, a lot, what's great is a lot of people that a lot of people that, participate in those events as part of the as part of a country action so you know their people are actually going to fight the monsters mm-hmm. will then volunteer to be the monsters for the next group of people oh, yeah, nice. yeah 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 perfect yeah. yeah you've got a rotating like we yeah. fought now we get to be monsters okay so um i guess my my question following up on this is is it solely is the stuff at your events and your your bigger battles is it solely focused around these land actions or is there a, a community thing that you're all going towards as well um you know or is it solely based on like uh you know i guess property battles or, or land battles um could i take a stab at this one Absolutely. Yeah, please. Uh, you know i think um so something that uh, we that's nice about Darkon is we have a lot of folks that cross game and we see what are really great things in other communities. And we're trying to create a, a game, uh, I think particularly within the last five years, um, that is more inclusive um, to, to creating spaces for different types of players and also figuring out how to better recognize um, people within our game, uh, recognize that we also have uh, a player base with changing needs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're looking at um, what can we do to create um, family camping for our large Bellum event in the future. So that's going to be something we're excited to roll out at our next Bellum. 
Um, we're really trying to work on our arts and sciences. And we've even introduced a class to our game that is a non-combat class. So it's an artisan. So it's kind of like a craftsmanship class. So it's us trying to also work towards building a stronger arts and sciences. So really focusing on flourishing those communities. Um, we also, um, uh, with my first visit to AmpGuard, um, I was very impressed with what I saw about how they celebrated their nights and um, how detailed they were with their approach to arts and sciences. So um, we're trying to find better ways that we recognize people in our game. And uh, both Fikes and Kai have been uh, incredibly instrumental into elevating what it means to be a knight in our game and to recognize players in our game. So they're two wonderful folks for that. That's awesome. Um, so um, the, the, you mentioned, you know, arts and sciences and sort of boosting that in your game. Um, do you have currently an award structure? Because AmpGuard has a, a structure yes. where we can earn. Okay. It's kind of controversial. Some people love it. Some people hate it. How does the award structure in your game work? Do you have different uh, categories for like cloth and metal and leather? Like how does that work? Uh, it's pretty much just as you said, we were developing different categories. We're still fine tuning things. We've always, um, we, we've had an arts and sciences kind of tournament annually every year, but it's never really given the attention to make it like a, something that's a consistent part of the game. Um, so we're trying to, to look at how do we recognize those folks a bit more and understanding that a huge part of our game is that people invest points into a class. We've seen that as a way in our culture that kind of works uh, for doing these things. So we're creating this artisan type class that has a huge role in um, kind of making um, in-game items, but also they can kind of level up that character in special ways, earn special ranks by their participation in arts and science competitions. Yeah, so this is really interesting to me. A non-combat class sounds really cool. In let's let's use one of your your weekend events again. What does the artisan do physically at the event? Are they you know handing out cool weapons? Are they maybe improving the weapons that people are using? Or uh, you know what what abilities do they have to impact the game, um, both in person and then I guess in the um, maybe non-personal part of your game? Sure. So I would I would think of them a lot as a support class. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, as we, um, uh, so in our game, like our characters can wear different types of armor and things that can get damaged. They can visit these characters. Maybe you have an artisan that is kind of playing a more blacksmith type character. They can, uh, go about repairing armor or, um, perhaps, uh, they can go about creating a spell, um, uh, potion type thing that can get someone healed. Or maybe one of our rogue classes is looking for a poison, they can go to that class and, and try to get something of that nature from them. Huh. Yeah, I think I think one of the one of the things we this this class is fairly new to to Darkon as we're kind of yes. identifying the best needs um, for our players that uh, that can't take the field or um, or want to play a more non combat class. Right. Um, but we do have a class that I feel like bridges that gap a little bit as well. That has been great in the past. Uh, our bard class okay. is a another support style class that um, that. It is a is a fighting class, mm -hmm. um, and a, and can utilize weapons similar to to a rogue. Um, however, they can give out um, essentially we we use belt favors to symbolize uh, magic enhancements that are given out to people. Okay. Um, and so they can give a number of uh, belt favors out um, that can do things like uh, all weapons that these players hold uh, 
can strike as if they're magic weapons or uh, all players um uh we have a we have a, a system called giant giants um in our game with like monsters that are very large like dragons or you know ettons and things like that where um, these players can can stand against these these monsters and uh don't have to fight on their knees essentially right so would these would the belt favors that we see in the background here be an example of some of the uh, uh that gold one that you see is actually a bardic favor um oh, nice. but those are just uh different uh, things from wonderful units i've i've got to hang out with and do things with in the past but yes the, the gold one is a bardic favor that is correct this I is like really that cool. red one buddy <laughs> <laughs> curtains and queens thanks bud <laughs> so this is this is really cool to me um just the idea of a class that does this we've had something similar in Anthguard. it's not a class but like you know we've had events where you can purchase a potion to do something on the field or you know your your team might be able to unlock a flame blade which is a relic weapon that, that has a special effect but a, a class that actually provides that seems way cooler uh and a cool way to involve non-coms has Anthguard. i don't i i'm asking teflon because he's you know he's at least worked with our rules reps have we ever considered something like that um. Yes, I don't know okay. how far that's supposed to go, but there is some ideas working currently. I like. That. I mean, yeah. as a concept for you know players who don't want to fight, maybe I love that as an idea. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so Darkon are um you know before this class came about um has as part of their integral rules has things like potions and scrolls and mm-hmm. relic weapons already built into the rules, um which has been great. Things like uh, classes like wizards um previously could. Uh, they could make a, a, X number of potions or scrolls at the beginning of an adventure day, um, and it would come at a cost of coins and uh, spell power throughout the day. Um, and then also we have um, special relic weapons that have been around for years, um, uh-huh. where they were uh, special. They're uh, weapons that are Darkon owned, um, and then took the f- and they would take the field with the players, and the players could utilize them. And if they slayed a player that had that relic weapon, they could then loot the loot the weapon from them. And each one of those weapons um, had special special powers. For instance, um, an example would be uh, Javelin of Lightning. Um, whenever the javelin was thrown, not only did it do, it not only does it do damage as if it was a normal thrown weapon, but also does damage as if it was a lightning bolt, which can also destroy shields that, uh, if it strikes a shield. So. Um, it occurs to me there might be a difference in combat systems. Um, in Anthguard, we have a very you know a location based system. If I if I hit Teflon's arm, he loses that arm unless he has armor or some special enchantment. In your system, it sounds like there may be something different. Or a, is there? So, how does that work? So it's very extremely similar into okay. location based. Um, all the locations are the same as they were in Anthguard, with some slight variations. Um, very slight in the sense of uh, like for instance, Anthguard. If you get hit in the butt, it's considered your torso. Um, and Darkon, it's considered your leg, uh, depending on which butt cheek you get hit in. Well, depending on uh, which tournament you're watching, it also counts as a leg and amp guard. So. <laughs> no. Don't know nothing about that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know it was that a little kind bright of discussion. In here. Let me throw a little shade. <laughs> here real quick. Yeah? So, um, you guys have, um, I think, colored weapon classes as well, unless I'm super dated on what I've read. Um, can you go over that real fast? Absolutely. Uh, the colored weapon classes, um, they follow a one point or two point uh, system. Um, however, the colors designate the type of damage that's being swung on another player um, because we do differentiate between uh, 
essentially the biggest difference would be clubs versus swords. So uh, in Ampgard, you have the Omnibats or clubs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, in, uh, in Dark Hunt, we differentiate uh, flat blades versus the round. Um, so the... So the biggest, so the difference, so there you would have like, for instance, yellow is blunt weapon damage, uh, so clubs, uh, clubs, hammers, maces, uh, flails, morning stars, etc. So uh, a, swords. An amp garter who comes over to play with you guys would be using a yellow weapon almost certainly by default. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, if they're using a round a round sword, yeah. Yeah. And before you continue on with the rest of it, do those damage types incur? Uh, penalties or bonuses depending on what you're fighting. So if you were going up against a skeleton, for example, would your bludgeoning weapon do more damage than, say, uh, uh, a rapier, a piercing weapon only would? Yeah, so um, in this case, uh, skeletons are uh, immune to like thrust damage, so that would be our red exactly. spears, spears, yeah. daggers, etc. Okay. Um, in some cases, uh, monsters do incur, you know, damage uh, you know, weaknesses to some weapons. A lot of that's closer magical. to like a magical or whole. We have a, a class called holy um, uh, weapon class, not a not a character class. But um, <laughs> uh, then we also and so uh, they like undead monsters are weak, weaker to like holy weapons. So um, uh, yeah. So yes, really the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> yeah. So sorry for interrupting you. The uh, but that was I kind I, I felt like I knew where you were going there. You already saw it. Old yeah. school. Old yeah. school. You know, two yeah, so, D player here. So. so if you if you're thinking like OG, you know, D and D edition one, edition, yeah. you know, two, that's a lot of where our rules originally came from. Nice. Um. So you'll you'll see a lot of remnants of that in some of our character classes, like the cleric doesn't isn't allowed to use uh, bladed weapons for the most part. Things like that. <laughs> um speak, speaking of like our bladed weapons are uh, like one-handed bladed weapons are our white weapons that's the the color class it is um and then our two-handed weapons are cleaving like axes and great swords and pole arms are black are considered black weapons um which uh, the easiest way to think about it is um they swing as if they do two points of damage instead of one so if you have two hands on it it deals two points it's as if getting hit by two swords at once that makes sense yeah i like um, that pretty yeah. pretty simple um then we also have a, a class called red which is our thrusting weapon so any swords that are stabbing or spears or daggers and things like that arrows um, arrows javelins um, do you use like the like dag and things have the the electrical tape on the bottom of the pommels to designate if things are legal do you guys kind of do that thing too similar yeah that's yeah we do that for easy recognition of the gotcha. type of weapon and then uh cl- and players are suggested to call their colors when swinging Awesome. Okay. I've seen footage of, of Darkon before, and I, I see people yelling a color when they throw. I assumed it was similar to Dag, like this weapon has a certain effect. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Uh, you yeah. mentioned with the bludgeoning and slashing, is there more to it than just potential weakness to monsters and things? Or yes. is there, okay. Yeah, so against against players, um, there's a large weakness to blunt, to blunt weapons or yellow weapons in that you can't slay another player to a limb. For instance, in Amp Guard, if you get hit twice to your arm, uh, you're dead. And in Darkon, if you get hit twice with a yellow weapon, you are still alive with your arm wounded. So um, essentially, you you break somebody's arm, but you can't kill them to it. Um, you can, in Darkon, uh, lose more than two limbs at a time. So there's no two-limb death. There's no two-limb death in SCA's Darkon. SCA's like that, too. And um, in Darkon, we also have a class. Uh, we also have a state of being that is between wounded and dead, which is called mortally wounded, where um, you cannot continue to fight 
but you can be healed uh, a lot easier um, where you can still yell for help um, and move and like move on the ground and crawl as if you were quote unquote mortally wounded. Gotcha. So borderline your, dead. your death saves as, as a D and D character. Ex- essentially. Yeah. And so you're dying. And if you're not tended to within five minutes at an adventure, then you are, then you become dead. Five minutes. Wow. So, okay. Immediately the, as an amp guard person, what stands out to me is the pace of the game because at five minutes, in Amphgard, we would just go. Okay, I'm dead. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go back to my base and get a drink and come back out. Real, t- real talk. It often plays out that way. Most oh. people aren't that patient. Uh, just that, but, but the rules is written. Five minutes. Sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. Some of our, um, you know, it, it comes down to the adventure team at the actual adventure and how they want to deal with um, character death and things like that. Um, but uh, as as our rules have a default, um, you know, we have a, a a place called Hades where dead players go back to, and it's generally uh, roughly about twelve minutes that players are asked to stay dead. Um, we call that often... Texas in Ampgard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, for the most part, the adventure team speeds that up because we do want to. Everybody wants to come out. They want to have fun. They want to swing sticks with their friend. Like, yeah, I had to actually like glanced over the rules. Um, I don't know, probably four or five months ago. Um, and I noticed that all of the times are like, I'm going to use archaic for amp guard terms, uh, because they're, they are longer than even like, uh, version six for, for those who have been around for that, um, time frames. Yeah, I know. Right. Like we had the five minute deaths, whereas they had the five minute mortally wounded and the 12 minute full on deaths. I think it was, uh, and things like that. So, um, the pacing is interesting because reading the rule book looks like it's a very slow paced game, but it yeah. doesn't actually seem that way, even in the dreaded documentary thing that happened. <laughs> so I think, I think our rules haven't been, our rules as written haven't quite adopted the culture of the play style, That's interesting. In, at least in this area. Right. I would say that the pacing of the game is closer to, you know, one to two, you know, closer to one to two minutes and, you know, maybe four minutes for death or something like something close to that average. Um, so I would say like, you know, 25% of what it is now. Sure. If I'm being rules. honest, I think the rules that you are discussing, I feel like those times are more representative of camp out times. It yeah. may be. Or, yeah. Exactly. So if I'm being honest, where there's one long adventure going on throughout the day with different quests. And at some point you might end up in Hades and you wait there to get your res. But other than that, like at a day battle, you don't have those wait times. It just isn't feasible. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes it interesting. Yeah. Cause you yeah, have, those are for adventures. Yeah. You have basically like the local park, uh, timeframes versus the, the, uh, the event weekend, uh, timeframes, which is really interesting too. Well, in, in old game Anthgard, we would do something similar where the, the death timer was always five minutes, but if everybody was getting bored or Reeve would go, do we just want to advance the time five minutes? And everybody would <laughs> yeah. go, yeah. And then we would jump back out on. onto the field or just do half counts for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a thing that happened in Anthgard with V, I guess V8, where we took lives completely out of the equation. That was my next uh, oh. question. Yeah. yeah, we're in the drift. Um, <laughs> so in Anthgard, your class would determine the number of lives you had. And if you uh, sucked like me, you played a warrior because you got more lives than anybody else. <laughs> but when you ran out of lives, you were done for the entire event. Well, it was it was that game. Right? Yeah, for, for that battle game. And some events would have just a, mm-hmm. a static, you know, whatever. And when we took that out, the pace of our game sped up a lot. But it made a death very cheap. That's why I said, you know, you might get hit by a like an entangle ball, which says you can't move for sixty seconds, and people will just go, "I don't care, I'm dead," and they'll walk off the field. So, does your game yeah. have a life mechanic like that, where you have a, a fixed number, you know, say five, ten, whatever lives through for the weekend or or whatever? 
No, our our rules don't have a life count um, for you know as part of any classes or part of the rules in the game. Um, every once in a while, we'll play a battle game that denotes the number of lives. Um, usually, it's a it's a it's a team life count versus versus the other team's life count, not a personal player. Yeah, like a count. shared pool of a hundred lives for the yeah. team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Go ahead. No, the only thing I was going to say to your entangle thing, I I think that at least culturally it's kind of looked down upon or frowned upon if you kind of just shrug off a magical ability. If you get hit with a frozen ball, if you get hit Good. with an entangle, at least locally, <laughs> I find that most of the time you might be begrudging, but you wait for a dispel, you wait for someone to actually kill you. Yeah. Amp Guard, it's very much more of a, I get hit with entangle and I look around and very quickly decide what would be the best strategic approach for this. And then if the best approach is for me to die, then I just die, which I don't. I would rather die. I would would rather die personally. I want to get back to fighting. I feel you. It's just there's there's also I think um, in some of those rules don't change when we play like battle games. For instance, if we're playing a game where it's instant, you can instantly tap a a res a res point. You know that's thirty feet away, Mm -hmm. um, and somebody hits you with an ice ball, and the rules state you have to stand there for five minutes. I think it kind of goes, gets away from what the battle, like that specific battle game's intent is. Agreed. Yeah. Somebody with a lot of ice balls could maybe ruin the day. Yeah. I feel like you can grief some player (laughs) or multiple. And and so I think that those times are more, again, back to the adventure base where you're playing an all day adventure versus a battle game that's lasting 20 minutes. And, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to finish up my, uh, what I was saying there by saying, I, I like that it has meaning. I love yes. that it has meaning in, in your game and that there are the there's consequences for the things that are going on because oftentimes in Amp Guard I feel like there aren't necessarily consequences for the things that happen in the battle game. And so I'll, I'll add to the, some of the, you know, we talked a lot about death and going back to Hades when you die. Um, there are mechanics for players to be resurrected past death. Um, as long as players stay, as long as players stay where they are when they die, um, there are character classes that can cast spells like resurrection to bring them back to life um, and things like that as well. Uh, there's also spells that can prevent people from being resurrected. For instance, we have a, a last right last spell right. that sends them straight to Hades. So, <laughs> I love that. There's some, there's some interesting <laughs> politics around all that stuff. I, too. I used really? to lay there and stare at our healers seductively <laughs> waiting for them. to do it. <laughs> Just, <laughs> just on his up. side with one leg cocked. Yeah, yeah it was upsetting. Um, so actually, Ampgard shares some of that. We do have a cursed state where when you're dead, you can, you know, and stay down. And if you are a, a, a barbarian, and there's a few other ways you can make it happen, that person can't be resurrected. So... We're we're familiar with that. Flo, you had a, a finger up. Oh, I was I was agreeing Ready? with you. I was pointing over you to go yeah, yeah, okay. that thing you said. Um what I wanted to get into, somebody mentioned earlier spell points or spell power. So how does magic work in your game? Because for us, uh, you know, I'm a bard, I have you know, it's it's very D and D where I have like thirty points I can spend and this is level one, level two, level three, they all have different costs. How does that work in, in your game? Yeah, so um so our character classes have a they have levels, or we call them ranks. Um, and every five credits you get, um, your level goes up by one. Um, and What's we don't have a max. Cap? Oh, you don't. Okay. We, there's no maximum level. However, oh, wow. um, classes of classes do have a a rank in which they're not going to get any more abilities. Essentially, so there you could quote unquote say there's a level ma- a, a level cap, but it's a soft cap essentially. Um, you know, it it later becomes kind of bragging rights essentially. Um, 
and you get a credit for every event that you attend. That's a day event, and then you get three for attending Campout Adventure. And then there are some other ways um, you volunteer to the game to gain additional credits and things like that as well. Nice. Um, and so at every level, each class gets a set number of abilities. Um, there's no picking of abilities for a specific class. You get all of the class's abilities. Oh, interesting. And use it as many times as you want throughout the day. There used to be a, there used to be a cap, but they went away with it. And I think it was a great decision for our game personally. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Several, several years ago, we went from having a character class as having X number of spell points based on their character class level. Um, and went to a system where you get all of the abilities for the character class and you can use them as often as you want. Hmm, um, now, now magic in our game is, um, I would say quite a bit different from amp guard um, okay. and amp guard. You're, um, uh, you're going to get a set and amp guard, from what I understand, you get a set, uh, I guess, phrase that you're going to say X number of times in order to cast a spell. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, and it's generally fairly quick. Um, it can, uh, when you compare it to something like Darkon. Um, and Darkon, you can create what we call, we'll call create our own spells um, in the sense of you're going, you're, the verbal that you're going to speak is, um, is your own. It's your own unique. You can create oh, a, cool. a poem. You can speak it in a different language. You can, um, it's all based on number of syllables that has to be said in order to complete a spell. Uh, for instance, uh, a spell might have X, uh, X number of syllables. And when you finish this, when you finish those number of syllables, uh, then you say the incantation line of the spell, and then you cast the spell. Oh, cool. um, an example would be uh, a, a very popular spell is Fireball, which mages can cast. Um, I believe it's uh, 300 syllables. Holy cow. Uh, without, <laughs> yes. full, without reduction. That's without any spell base reductions. level the first day you get it. Okay. Um, and so uh, the way it works, but uh, magic is meant to be slower but more powerful if that makes sense mm -hmm. um so in our game fireball at that high number of syllables you throw a red spell ball at a player or the ground and any player within three feet of where it touches is dead okay i like this Ooh, it's like a grenade so yeah. essentially there are no verbal offensive spells oh, like okay. uh, it's not pointing their spell ball so there, representations of our so, spells so any offensive spell must have a physical representation you have to actually throw it i think that's <laughs> that makes sense i like that i think lot, that's actually. me personally y'all verbals confuse me i'm trying to learn <laughs> yeah I, I play a bard which is only verbals and it's so much based on you know distances and pointing and yelling things y'all keep shoving me why I, it's funny <laughs> i just want to fight you it's just funny <laughs> It's, I hate it. Uh, we um, run into we, situations too where it, having verbal, uh, having offensive verbal uh, magic can cause some uh, slowdown of play because people say, oh, I was out of range. No, you weren't. Let's call a reeve over here or something. Whereas it's yeah. really easy to say, well, a spell ball hit right there. Yeah, for I'm me, dead. I'm using a short sword, which is three feet. Uh, man, yeah, right, cool. You would be surprised. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, because you, your culture with the, 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 the ice balls or something like that was to just take them. So I was curious if like the quibble over distance is like a big thing or not. Sometimes. Uh, some, I would say it's less uh, from, yeah, from my experience. It depends on what's at stake, From my experience at AmpGuard, it's a little bit, it's less arguing. Um, there's we have we kind of have this rule of you know wherever the fireball all of our a all of our aoe spells are three feet and so it's just basically considered somebody's wingspan you know you just stick out your arm it's about three feet um yeah, and but, so if you personally get hit by 
If you personally get hit by the fireball, you reach out and see who you can touch and say yeah. you're dead too. If I'm being uh, honest, cool. there's also a pretty good culture of like your homies will be like, hey, buddy, you actually got hit. And it's, yeah. we're yeah, pretty yeah, good yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then a little bit more into spells as we have, you know, defensive spells and we also have in like more like healing spells. So like a lot of our defensive spells are represented by either a headband or a belt favor. Um, we talked earlier about like the bard belt favors. Mm -hmm. um, the same thing is with all like a lot of other protection magic. For instance, we have like magic armor or like magic against uh, protections against spells or protection against elemental effects, things like that. And then, we, yeah. and, and then we have like our healing magic, which is, um, you know, cure, cure wounds. Uh, uh, resurrection and stuff like that which are basically just touch uh, you just touch another player when you cast a spell yeah we it's it's similar here so initially when you said you can use all of the spells and you can use them as much as you want i was like holy hell how do you balance that <laughs> yeah and then you said 300 syllables and i said ah, i get it how how short does that end up getting because you said at level one it's 300 and then there's a way to accelerate that what does that turn down to as you level up it, pretty much at max level, it is half reduced, and that is as much it will as it will ever be reduced. So once you are level twenty, I think, then that one spell would be one fifty. It, it's um whenever whenever you get twice the rank, you learn the spell. That's you the you are at fifty percent of spell reduction. Oh, that's so if you were really cool. if you learned it at eighth level, then once you get to sixteenth level, then it's at max reduction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, but all of your spells that you learn at level one, you get max reduction at level two. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's actually super clever. I like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> for anyone that's been in Amp Guard for a while, too, the original heal spell was around 150 syllables uh, long. So, no, you're not going to cast the whole heal spell while we're sitting here on the... Well, I mean, this is actually kind of harkening back to, to V6 and I think also V7 uh, bards. Yeah, they, they, uh they had things similar. I don't remember the counts. I think it was 150 and 50 count or something like that for, for charm and some of the other stuff. Um, so I kind of like that it's back to that and it's your own cast. It's your flavor and things like that. So that's really cool to me because you guys may actually be the bit better bridge than amp guard is between like the combat LARPs and the, the lightest touch LARPs because you are having, um, uh, I guess more character development to some degree. It yeah. seems like your, your role play is, uh, there more than ours, and so that's really interesting to me too. I will say we have a lot of events. Sometimes we just have day events where you just go out and you're swinging swords at people. Yeah. Like that's yeah, the way it is. Uh, but then we have really great adventures and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Um, also, the uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say one more thing about the the magic in our game is one thing we did introduce to our game more uh, somewhat recently in the past couple of years was. Um, we called it a timed casting method, mm -hmm. um, but it's more of an RP representation of casting is what it's intended to be, where anything that has anything that has a number of syllables in order to cast, you can all it has a base uh, time that you need that are required to cast it if you don't want to say the spell aloud. For for instance, um, if it took you know, 300 syllables or whatever to cast fireball. Um, it might have a timed method of casting f for 30 seconds. And you could represent that in a role-playing manner of, you know, maybe you're going to draw symbols on the ground instead of casting the spell. Um, I have a cheat sheet. And then, <laughs> nice. and then cast it. So each spell has a number uh, based on the number of syllables, how long you should take to cast it. 
I actually um, really like having the option because immediately my thought was like I would have to learn how to wrap God through something to get a fireball <laughs> off. But there's also an option to draw a sigil. I I really mm-hmm. like that. I was gonna yes. say that's right up your alley, uh, Lucas. Where you know you pull a piece of paper out and begin drawing kanji on it, and at the end <laughs> the spell goes off. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, That'd I'm a fan. Really cool. Absolutely. Yo, yeah, absolutely. That would shit, all, let's go. That, that would all be that would all be perfect. Um, I play uh, I play essentially what is a paladin in our in our game. So. Um, you know, you bring out a holy symbol and, you know, instead of casting a spell from a spell book and saying all the syllables that you already have written down, you can, you know, make up a prayer with another person to heal them or something like See, that. See, now yep. I want to have And my... I'm the bard, so perform. <laughs> yes. So. yes, absolutely. Now I want to have, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I want to have purity seals on my armor that I just take <laughs> off and read and then I, drop. as a bard, want to pull out a recorder and play a jaunty little tune <laughs> that everyone hates and then shove you. <laughs> yeah, our, our bard class, I think, was one of the big, um, you know, proponents of getting something like that available to our game what okay so this may be way in the weeds in some ways but what are all the classes because it sounds like there's maybe more than amp guard Uh, (laughs) i don't know that there's more than amp guard but uh let me see if i can let me see if i can remember all of them off the top of my head Uh, i happen to know them oh oh yeah you want to go for it go for it it's barbarian bard cavalier cleric druid fighter mage monk necromancer ranger rogue and warrior mage. I only know because I just made the awards for Bellum last week. So I have like the list right here. I was like, I got you. So a lot of these have similarities with Anthgard. I'm going to jump to the first one I noticed that didn't, and that was Cavalier. That's Paladin, second edition. An anti-Paladin. Okay. Yeah. Oh, anti-Paladin. Yeah. It, it essentially it. would cover because you can role play it to either be oh, yeah. whatever flavor. Okay. It, is our, it is our Paladin for the Yes. Okay. That, that's old school. That's second edition D&D right there. <laughs> it is. It is I absolutely. Remember. It's yeah. nice. So you mentioned that you get to, like, that people put, you know, a lot of effort into these classes and, and level them up oh, and yeah. things like that. We in, in, in Amphigard, we have a specific uh, sash that we use to display, you know, you're a paladin, so you have a, a dragon now. We just changed it. Uh, <laughs> or I'm, I'm a bard, so I have a blue sash. Um, you know, warriors have a purple, purple sash. Yeah. Don't look at me yes. Like that. Warriors um, have purple. Um, so is your, is everything indicated that way in your game as well, or is it just based on the abilities that you're using and then you add your own flavor with armor and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. The, the second one you said, um, there's no representation specific to the game, the game rules, how you have to represent your class. Mm-hmm. Um, you can represent it however you see fit. Now there are some abilities that classes have and some belt favors you may see that are their, sp- their personal spell buffs that might give away what the class they are. I was going to say, so it's not necessarily an open information game, which is kind of interesting because a lot of amp guards like doesn't like, uh, or it's hard to make a new class for amp guard because we use so many of the colors already for sashes. And like my go-to thing is why don't we just stop using sashes and you know <laughs> do something? Cause like, I don't feel like it would be that different in some ways, but um, there's a lot of pushback for that. So yeah. And, and when he says open information game, what he means is I'm playing a bard and I walk up to somebody who has a gray sash. That means they're a monk. I need to move away from that person because I can't do shit to them. I was going to mm-hmm. say, maybe it's different with your kind of magic and verbals with us having yeah. a physical representation already in the kind of spells. Maybe it just it plays out differently. Yeah. I would also yeah. say that Darkon, where I, I see Ampguard has a lot of like hard counter abilities to other classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a very rock, paper, scissors style. Um, yeah. Darkon is very soft counter per se in the sense of there's no classes that are pretty much outright immune to another class's abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that a lot. <laughs> I think it also... Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. 
I was going to say, I think it also encourages us that if we, we can't just wear a colored sash and say, oh, I'm barred or I'm a fighter. If we really want to sell that, we have to figure out how we're doing that ourselves. Yes. So as a bard, I'm going around wearing the big floppy hat, you know, and uh, <laughs> singing my songs and performing. You know, we have our barbarians that get their face paint on and they're roaring and screaming at folks. Um, so I think folks also go to lengths to make those identifiers um, naturally. And it, I think that enhances their character along the way. And I, it, I, will, I want my hat back. It's fancy hat time. I might also, oh, I, might also say, time. <laughs> I might also say something that might interest you guys as well in that we are, we have uh, classes that have actual disguise abilities where they can disguise as other classes or yes. things like that. Oh, we have to, yes. I made that style hat too. That's really cool. Fancy hat squad. Let's go. No, I don't have All my fancy hats are upstairs. Yeah, they're not with me. Here. I can't wear Wait, the headphones on. and the hat at the same time. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Hold on. Let me. Your, your uh, curly Q hat there, Fikes. Is it, is it all wool too? It's so nice. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, this is a helmet. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> is, the, is this fancy hat? Yeah, it's good. Yes. Perfect. I was going to ask, uh, since you've got the helmet kind of thing on, do you, do helmets like actually mean something in your game? Yeah, absolutely. We have a head legal game or head legal uh, oh, weapon. Okay. Our flails. Really? Yeah. So our, our flails and maces are head legal. It's the only chain weapon in our game and it is legal from the top of the crown to the back of the neck. No face shots, not intentional. So it's just like an up and down motion, top of the noggin. It's just couch foam. It's oh, very safe. That's actually kind of interesting. It, nice. it, it like look, no one wants to get rocked. It's not going to hurt you, but like you know, you don't enjoy it. Sure, but, it, but it's safe. <laughs> Stinkfoot, you cannot make flails for Darkon. <laughs> oh, he sure can. <laughs> oh God, he made Are a set. Lo- uh, they were new, and then they uh, to help with longevity, he used a lot of cloth tape on it also Dog inside the hurt. number oh my god those things are bricks by the they time were, got done they were they were legal you know <laughs> Oof. um <laughs> so at, as head wolfen's marshal at darkon i don't like the it's legal yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks kai yeah most of us don't either but you know <laughs> i was using them so they were okay <laughs> no uh-uh, they're no. safe to, they're safe to hit your Friends, yeah, <laughs> your frenemies. <laughs> so this was a question I was going to ask: is um, there's not a, a hard rule on what a class has to look like, but you do need to present as that. Is there ever anybody that um, you know goes around with a big two-handed sword, and then you know when you walk up to him, they're like, "Surprise, bitch! I'm a necromancer," and they do something like that? Or is there's, it, I mean, there, there's, there's an entire class limitation. that can disguise? Okay. And yeah, you you mentioned there was a disguise ability, so I thought that might subvert that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and so a lot of classes also can't use certain weapons as well, and vice versa. Um, so you, you know, it's you can kind of, again, you're kind of looking at somebody, you can get an idea of what type of class they are. Like you, you might, you know, that might be a finger wiggler if they had just have a sword or something like they just have one one handed sword or something like that. Um, if they're using a, um, we we have us, uh, we have like. Uh, <laughs> Um, magic shields that are represented, they must be covered in yellow cloth or they must, you know, be yellow. Um, oh. So wizards, only wizards, <laughs> only two classes can use that. Uh, uh, mages and warrior mages are wizards, essentially. Oh, that's really cool. Um, hmm. And then some classes, again, represented by, you know, just uh, the spell, the other spells that they have. You, you have an old school spell sword as one of your classes? 
It's called Warrior Mage. Warrior Mage. Uh, and essentially it is spell sword. It's uh they can use most of the weapon classes in the game. They can't use shields other than a magic their magic spell shield, uh, which is generally a little like a buckler, a buckler size. size. Um, they can use two-handed swords, but they can also throw spells like magic missile and lightning bolt. So is there a, like a cross-classing system as well, or is this all just one? It's a single. It's a it's a single class. It's a okay. class in the game. Yeah, there's some no cross class. Some of them have the same spells. Are yeah. you are you stuck in a class, or is it kind of like Amp Guard where you, your you character's change. whatever? Okay, cool. So so um, the, so there's yeah yes you can change classes, and a lot of people play separate characters for different classes as well. So um, some players play it as the same character, and some people play it as different, completely different characters and personas. Okay. Interesting. There's some fair overlap with that in Amp Guard as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Regan, shout out. <laughs> yeah, right. Guy has like 30 different personas. They're all <laughs> madness. <laughs> Respect. Yeah. So armor in your game. Um, this is something we've we've briefly mentioned. Um, is it a point system? How high do the points go? I see. Uh, you know, I see Brady has quite a bit of armor behind him. Yep. Yeah. Um, so how does how does this work in your game? Well, this is actually a pretty good representation here. So your plate is like your four points of armor. Uh, your chain is three. Your hide, uh, which is like 10 ounce thickness, Mm -hmm. that would be uh, two points of armor. Um, And then uh, if you have like a a thinner kind of like padded armor or like Like uh, leather armor that's under than that, yeah, that counts as one point. Now, remember, we also have um, uh, different types of armors that's kind of like magic armor that folks can have too. So like you could have bark skin, which could add an extra point to your armor to not exceed two points, for example. Um, so there's uh, interesting ways to go about that in the game. I like that. Yep. So and, do your magic armors only augment existing things? Like in Ampguard, no. your magic armor is actually, think of it like a separate layer, mm. uh, different from what you may physically be wearing. Mm. We have both. We have both. And actually, um, I think either Kai or Fikes would probably be better uh, to talk, talk on this than I would. Yeah, so I'll describe two different two different spells, um, for one from each side of that story. Um, okay. First, he mentioned, first, he mentioned uh, Bark Skin, which is a, a druid ability, um, which is an armor augment, essentially. Um, however, if you're not wearing any armor, it still benefits you. Um, what it does is uh, any part, essentially... Um, any armor that you're wearing is increased by one armor class up to a maximum of armor class two. Um, so like your leather armor would be considered hide or your AC one is considered AC two. Um, and also AC zero, which is no armor is considered AC one. So your skin would also be as if it was leather. Um, so that would be kind of augment uh, and beneficial. And then we also have mages, like mages have a spell called stone skin. Um, which is essentially a one hit and gone no matter what the hit is towards you um, is prevented. So if it was a great sword that hit you, it would prevent the first hit that hit you. Or if it was a, a white or a club that hit you, it prevents that. So it's a magic bubble that just pops on the first. Yeah. So yeah. Mag- magic armor versus magic bubble. It's skin gotcha. or bubble. Cool. So your armor, um, how, I guess, generous is it? So like if I've got a chainmail uh, hover ground it goes down to like my um, elbow and then does it still affect the rest of my arm or is it purely covered kind of like amp guard and Pro- stuff like protects that? Okay. what it covers gotcha so 
So it protects what it covers. And then you can also wear, if you wear different types of armor on the same location, mm-hmm. um, we have rules uh, for that. So say you're wearing chainmail on your shoulder, your upper, your bicep, and you're wearing, um, you know, a hide bracer. So AC2 on your forearm and AC3 on your upper arm. Um, anytime your upper arm would get hit, the armor, your entire arm is affected. So both locations, the whole entire arm is affected. Huh. Um so if you got hit twice in your upper arm, that's two points of damage. So your AC2, your forearm would be destroyed on the second hit. Okay. Gotcha. Now if you that took a sense. if you took a hit to your forearm after that, you would take the wound. But if you took a hit to your chain mail after that, it would be the third hit and then that would be destroyed. Okay. If that makes sense. And, so and in AR, we just average those scores, but this sounds like a maybe a better way of doing it. Potentially. I haven't yeah. thought over all of the ramifications of it, but I like it better than just <laughs> this one's two or this one's four and this one's two. So you have two points for the whole arm. I don't. Well, it, it's yeah. it's kind of what you get used to, right? Like, yeah, fair. if you're used to this system, then it's going to be fine. But if you're used to the amp guard system, it's going to take a second to kind of really get into it. But I, I overall like that because the mixing of armors becomes a little more useful in a way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. To me. It co- becomes, you know, it can be strategic and where you place your armor. Right? Mm-hmm. I often wear uh, lower, like my forearms are usually a height, like that. just that example is like a hide bracer and then chainmail uppers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because I like my chainmail is a torso, so it covers me. Yeah. So in, in your game, you, you mentioned you have arrows. I assume they work similar to how they do in like, you know, Amp Guard or Dagger here. Are headshots legal with your arrows? How no. are they constructed? No. Very similar construction. Okay. Yeah, I would say they're, uh, I don't want to say Safer might be the right word. I don't know if that's the right word. It's probably the right word. I I wouldn't have said it. I would say if you've seen um, uh, arrows from Dagger here or Belagarth, the construction is very similar to theirs. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. So, yes, safer. But we we don't allow face shots like they do. Okay. Uh, So face and head is off limits. So the only thing is, like you had said earlier, just the flails, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And and spell balls, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, spell! Yeah, that makes sense. Actually. So, uh, real quick with the spell balls and stuff, is it just like the uh, gamma balls or stuff like that we use, or is it something? It's a, it's a little bit beef. It's a little bit beefier. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, four foam to six balls. inches. It's the practice yeah. tennis balls. The foam, you can use practice foam, tennis balls. Okay, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. And then some make you know bigger, poofier couch things, but they uh, not not very small. Uh, I think it's three or four inches is our minimum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're slightly bigger uh, uh, practice tennis balls. Okay. I mean, that makes them more noticeable when they're thrown because we already have people who will get hit by a small spell ball and not notice it. It's probably the practice softballs that I'm thinking of and not tennis. Tennis is probably a little smaller. Yeah. 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 My my apologies. It's fine. It's fine. So um, one thing that we touched on very, very early on was you had said that uh, the area that you're in, that you and several groups around you had met, had decided to play on the same rule system. Does this mean that Darkon is not as nationally cohesive as uh, as something like Amp Guard or Dagger Bell would be? Like you don't have a main governing body, you have uh, more regional governing bodies, is that correct? So we... Um... We kind of have a set of core rules that go around with our game, but we really like to encourage chapters to explore the game and make it their own. Um, We do still use a shared credit system, and we have some rules where, say, uh, 
like we have a, a sister chapter in um, Virginia, uh, Silverdane, um, and they um, have had like different classes at one point in time. Like I think they had an alchemist class at one point in time. And we didn't have that, um, but we have a rule where um, you know they could come over to our game for a day and play a, any equal level class that they wanted to play, even though we didn't have that in our game. Um, so that we still try to create like open paths for folks, but also create the opportunity for different areas to see what the needs of their player base are. Um, so we try to, to let that happen. I actually like this system a lot because it allows for more rapid experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So there, and obviously every, every country, every, every group has its own kind of culture and that's, that's true within Ampgard as well, but it's much, um, you know, it, it usually spans a couple of states where there will be a culture around awards or around, um, you know, fighting styles and things like that. But this allows for much more of that and a much quicker format. Like you said, a, they had a whole new class that they invented just for their area. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it didn't apply everywhere. But, I mean, if one of those classes catches on and works really well, I mean, there's a chance it can get picked up by everybody else. Absolutely. Guard, that's, that's pretty discouraged, I feel like. Uh, yeah, so like it's kind of the monster class issue of like monster gets uh, kind of relegated as a not exactly standard class because in the current rule book it's not. Yep. But that's kind of being looked at as a uh, uh, a thing for V nine as well. So um, yeah, that'll be I think interesting. I think Brady mentioned it that I think is really important as our rule book is broken out into core rules and. Uh, chapter rules essentially mm-hmm. yeah uh, so core rules would be like the amount of damage like the damage and colored color of the weapons that are being swung or the armor classes which are pretty generalized across all classes and then um and then the, the character classes which can be can be different mm-hmm. based on chapter it occurs to me that there's a really sensible thing you could do with this as well this is a a, a pretty heated topic in Amphgard when it comes to armor but we always say, you know, people fighting in Texas are just not going to invest in armor, and so Warrior in Texas is not a class that's really worth playing because uh, it, it centers around having armor. It um, really does, yeah. So do areas, you know, do do chapters in hotter areas maybe change their rules around armor and how that functions, or I guess could they? Let me just knock stuff over while we talk. <laughs> yeah, well, I would, I would, so there are character classes are extremely flexible in what you could do with them. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would see them perhaps utilizing a character, you know, character class changes in order, in order to, to augment that. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. I like that war, as an idea. War, like warrior can't warrior gets a bonus to their armor class. You know, when they're, when wearing armor, like instead of wearing an AC one, they get, it bumps their AC to two instead of something like that. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. I, I kind of poked fun at Texas earlier, but it really is a problem because in amp guard, if, if you're wanting to wear six points of armor and you're running around in plate in the middle of Texas, where you're it's gonna die. 120 <laughs> degrees in the shade. And... Sorry, Texas. Nah, I mean, they know what they did. We're messing with them. Um, no, but it, it, it just, because for Anthgard, you know, I mean, I know you, you guys cross game, but for our listeners who might not immediately recognize the difference, we have the one core rules of play, which affects all of the classes, all of the armor, all of the magic. And then in local kingdom. kingdoms, yeah, local kingdoms have a corpora, but it's like, when do we have these events? How do we give these awards? How is it structured? Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the, quote, culture of every kingdom comes in, is in that smaller addendum. The rules of play are fixed. Yeah, and your right. corpora cannot supersede the rules of yes. play in any way. Mm-hmm. Fair. Interesting. So actually, that, that brings me to something I've, I've been wanting to get at, because uh, at least here, we are all in a, a belt line, which is not the same as a fighting company. It's just, you know, he is a knight, and we are both squires who are both learning from him. 
Um, <laughs> Kai's my sensei. <laughs> I, I'm belted to Kai. Perfect. <laughs> um, learning is a very, um, uh, you know, very nice way of putting it. Hey, no, my <laughs> feels. <laughs> Just giving you a hard time. Um, but how is your game? Uh, sorry, let me let me finish the analogy I was going to make. Um, he was belted for leadership in our game. And so we are, you know, kind of learning that from him. Uh, Teflon is the current monarch of our kingdom. I'm the current senator of our kingdom. Um, yeah, moron. Cannot believe you did that. Um, and so there, there are leadership roles that are defined for our kingdom. Um, how does that work for you? Because it seems a little more loosely structured. So do you have a, a de facto monarch or king or queen or, or whatever? So... I think that the terms like uh, monarch, king, and queen, we have those terms, but I don't think that they um, mean the same thing. They they're not they don't have the same job essentially. Yeah. For instance, um, I think uh, in Amkar, like monarch has an administrative job to the game. Yes. Whereas uh, like king or queen in our game is purely a role play aspect. There's no administration that's required by that by that so, person. So perhaps president would be a better representation of monarch or regent or something like that. Yeah. Literally, yes. For uh, for us, because we're a 501c3, he acts as the president of our organization as well. We call it monarch because it sounds fun and cute, but he's really screwed. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually have a pretty a pretty interesting system when it comes to uh, like knighthood and actual and um, titles beyond that as well. Um, uh, so so in in Darkon, we don't have different belt lines for like fighting knights versus service knights versus leadership versus, um, you know, arts and sciences knights. Yep. Um, it's all a knight as a knight as a knight in Darkon. Godric will um, be so happy to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our knights are, from generally speaking, are very service oriented knights. Um, if you, if you're going to be a knight in Darkon, you're going to be doing service. Like that that is what it is. Um, we have a lot of knights in the game that are fighting focused and they are they do step up and they will help teach others do, how to do more sword fighting within the game. Um, we have knights that are very more arts and craft focused. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think over the past few, few years, um, we've really delved into um, pushing players that want to enhance their abilities in those different categories. Um, and become squires or knights within the game, and learn more from the learn. We'll learn more from those specific people. So in our culture, we just we have this understanding of who is really good at X thing, um, and I think that it helps that we are a more localized game versus a national game. I think that recognition can can you know weed its way through much more easily. Yeah. Um, what but I also I do like amp card system where you can recognize you know what someone did to get the title of knight and that, you know, if you have an interest in arts and sciences, like you should probably go talk to a serpent knight. Um, I think that's neat. Um, now our, our knighting system, like I said, is, uh, it, it is more service oriented. Um, uh, we have a system that it, we have a, a squire to knight system. Um, and our system is very, uh, I would say open mm -hmm. um, and how you become a squire. Um, it's relatively simple. A knight just, you ask a knight, or a knight asks you, or you just say, I want to be a squire, and you find a knight. Um, and our knights also serve an administrative function to the game, which oh, is, yeah. our is our safety council. Um, huh. So anything that is, they're kind of like the, the, the right hand to the board of directors when it comes to safety. Um, 
player safety specifically. So any weapon safety, like if weapon safety construct like construction things come into play, um, it's going to go to what we call our noble council, um, just essentially safety council. See, um, it's it's bold of you to give knights a job after they've already gotten their belt because for us they go play <laughs> SCA and then they just, like, if we did that well, we some, would just have no our, weapon checkers you know and then some of our whites you know some of our knights take the award and then they just don't play anymore ah, um, but <laughs> um, but yeah uh, they're not required to become part of the safety council but their safety council is all knights gotcha um, and most and that is one of the reasons that one of the things that is asked of players that are becoming knights is to be part of part of the council as they squire they would attend uh meetings of the safety council and understand how it operates and things like that um so it is a again it's a service oriented knighthood um we so in our after you become knight you get the title of sir or dame or um you know the, the those titles um and then we also have a title system that goes beyond that all the way from sir uh i think there are seven titles total all the way from all the way to king and archduke which is the final title um uh, let me see if i can do it off the cuff it goes uh sir baron i can't do it earl, <laughs> earl is it earl count duke Prince, King, Archduke. I think that's all. Five, you miss you miss Marquis, my dude. I miss Marquis. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I just know where I just know where I sit. <laughs> well, fair. Flo had to Tebow when we hear our yeah. our particular title. Um, yeah, Anthgard has a similar thing. Knights are. It, it's weird for us because knights are a particular rank of distinction, but they're actually not the highest rank. Like. Like, I have an Archduke title in Anthgard, and that technically ranks higher than Knight in terms of nobility. And no huh. one cares about it. And yeah. no one cares about it. No <laughs> one gives a shit. There's not a ceremony for when I got my Archduke title. I don't get anything really? special in the game. But, like, Knights yeah. get special tunics, special belts, spurs, uh, nasty anime body pillow. Um, <laughs> I would say it's, simil- it's similar oh, to that as an example. Game. I saw um, it. I kind of mm, like, like, did you Did you see the pillow? <laughs> uh, so, so I sent it to my friend PG. I had to. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I would say it's something similar in Darkon where knighthood is that knighthood is that ceremony, right? Knighthood is that that moment of you did all this all amazing stuff, so let's celebrate, let's celebrate you. And mm-hmm. then uh, the titles after that are more role play, uh, somewhat role playing oriented. Um, yeah. There's different ways in order to get those titles. Um, the three ways are you can uh, you can fight once a year for it. Um, in a special tournament that we hold twice a year. Okay. Um, you can be nominated for it based on service throughout the year, once per year. Um, or, I'm sorry, I think it's once every other year you can do it based on service. Oh, wow. And then uh, once per year, once every other year, you can be risen to the next title uh, directly by the current king. Yes, those are the three ways. Interesting. Um, so fighting fighting for it in the tournament is the only way to do it every year. Every other one has uh, is every other year, but they can coincide with each other. So for one year, w- one year you could be directly raised by the king, and the next year you could get it for service, and then the year after that you could be raised by the king, and then the year after that you could be raised by service. Could you do several <laughs> in a year if you're really a go getter? Like win the tournament, be raised by the king, bump up too. You cannot earn more than one title per. One bump per year. Oh, oh shit! It just nice. occurs to me these are laddered too, so it's like it's not nice. a 
Okay. And Amp Guard, the titles are given based on what you did to earn that specific thing. So, gotcha. like, uh, Marquee, I think, is given for serving all of the offices. Is that right? No. Gotcha. That's okay. going to differ Kapora to Kapora. Yeah. Because oh, the that's titles right. are not standardized. It's, yeah, this this yeah. is where the kingdom culture comes in because our titles are different based on... Yeah, I could. I have a marquee for my time serving as our prime minister, which is paperwork and things like that. Okay. But if I go to another kingdom, this might be a bad example, but I hope you understand what I'm getting at. If I go to another kingdom, marquee might mean something else. It might be given for something else or be a, a lesser title in some way. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so the titles in our our game are laddered um except for with one exception. Okay. Um any any play any player with a that is at least a knight can become king when if they we have a whole rule set around becoming king. Um it's possible for uh, someone that is a sir to become to become king. Um and then the only way to get archduke in our game is to be prince then become king after being prince, serve your time as king, and then after you're done being king, you become archduke. It's like the Those. lifetime award for you climb the ladder and then you got to king. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, something you said about um, the nobility titles in Ampguard, they are like identified with doing particular things. We do have a system like that in our game. It's not with knighthood and it's accessible to all players. Um, it's um, our orders that we give folks. Okay. Um, so actually, uh, Fikes has been uh, a huge part of helping us with that, um, as have some other folks in our game. And we actually got the idea inspired to us by AmpGuard. Really um, good. I'll admit we it. At, when we looked at some, like, some of the, uh, the different types of knights that they have, mm -hmm. and um, it's a way that we have been able to point players in the direction of, hey, this person is a master of Raven. Um, so that's the person that you go to if you want to learn about how to craft really cool things. Or uh, this person is a master uh, order of the dragon. Um, that is someone with a great attitude, awesome sportsmanship. Um, you know, so that we do have different things. And if and then for the person that gets all those things, uh, they're the great fighter, they're the well-respected in the, the realm, they're the great craftsman person, um, we have the order of the eagle, which is probably our uh, most sought-after um, order to obtain, I'd say. It's because it sounds the coolest. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of them. There's seven. Yeah, I'm one of seven. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you you had mentioned uh, tournaments. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with tournament structure in Ampguard. Very. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually uh, at eight right now. No, I'm not at eight. I might get my eighth. We'll see. I have seven order warriors. So yes, I'm on that grind. Very oh, nice. nice. Awesome. Um, so, uh, is like we have the weapon masters, right? Where we have the five categories. I think that's more or less standard um, <laughs> of of uh, um, weapon types that you fight in the tournament. Do you guys have that kind of thing too, or is it like an open weapon kind of deal, or or is your tournament totally different? And I'm way off base. <laughs> so our so there's not a codified way to run our tournaments, but there is a cultural way that we run our tournaments. Um, I would say they're very similar to the way that Ampguard runs a lot of their tournaments in that we have weapon categories that are somewhat similar. Um, single sword, sword and board, uh, great weapon, Florentine. Mm -hmm. um, we have an open weapon category. Um, uh, and those can be, and, and it highly depends on who was running the tournament at the time, the volunteers at the time. 
Um, we've run uh, bracketed style tournaments, so single elimination bracketed style, and we've also adopted uh, some of the Warlord sports style that Ampgird has done in the past. That's actually um, the method that Firebrand ran at Bellum this year with so Blom and Kai. We ran a lot of our, they ran a lot of our bigger style. tournaments run in the WLS style. Um, uh, we adopted that especially uh, because it, to, to me, it makes running the tournament a lot easier. So I've, I've run the tournaments in the past. Uh, yes. makes it running a lot easier. Um, I hate going bracketed with like 40 people. It sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> one, one quick thing I did want to mention is that we have two separate kinds of tournaments. There's a commoners tournament that all players of Darkon pretty much can participate with the exception of nobles. Nobles are limited to the noble tournament, which is heavy armored combat. So if you're so if you're a knight in the game, you can't participate in what is then as the commoners tournament and vice versa. The That's only exception would Go be commoners. the yearly event. The only exception <laughs> would be at Bellum. Typically, we've allowed everyone to compete at the Firebrand tournament, commoners and nobles alike. But it's like the one yearly event. It's like the keep, I guess. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, first off, I'm going to address Flo here. Uh, both of us now go by Your Grace. Um, <laughs> your Majesty. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, that's that's an interesting concept, though, because you just have the the one knighthood. So somebody could get knighted for you know a, a being a you know a fantastic service person. They handle all of the feasts and things like that, and they are just as excluded as the people who are knighted for maybe superior swordsmanship and also service. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I don't know. That's great. Uh, and uh, the the tournaments are different differently formatted completely between okay. uh, uh, so there's so uh, the commoners tournament would be and the tournament we run every year at Bellum known as Firebrand tournament mm-hmm. um, would be very similar to the way Ampgard runs their tournaments um, whereas our knights tournament um, is uh, very different it's run generally in a in a rope ring one on one combat um, and it's done in armor so you're allowed to wear you're allowed to wear armor up to armor class four um, which is our highest armor in the game and there's uh, five different weapon categories and you're fighting in armor um, with those points um, and also the you're not required it's not single elimination what it is is a randomized set of players fight for each category so say i picked uh basically everybody that's going to be fighting in the tournament is all put on a token put into a box Sword and board comes up, you pick two tokens, and those players fight. Huh. Now, what happens oh. is you get scored. You either win or you lose. You get that score, and you go on to the next category. You only fight one time. Any player that wins three at, at a minimum of three out of five categories uh, is considered to be a winner of the tournament. So you have multiple winners for the tournaments. Then you we have, have multiple winners. Interesting. I'm not opposed. <laughs> yeah, kind of. When you said roped off ring and armor, it kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Knight's Tale. You yeah. know how they did the how they did the fighting yeah. in the Knight's Tale. Very mm-hmm. much that vibe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, so what that does is any player that is is attempting to fight to go up in title, so from a sir to baron, essentially, mm-hmm. all the way up the ladder. Um, if they are considered a winner of the tournament, that is how they get promoted to the next title. It's so they don't have to. Actually, they don't have to win. They don't have to win the tournament. It's actually kind of close to sumo, and it's kind of silly. So <laughs> you're not gating by only declaring one winner, only like a first, second, and third. It's you know depending Whoever on whoever could win three. Yeah, yeah. You win three <laughs> out of five. Uh, something else to note, I think, is interesting is that at least currently by the rules, the only way to get cavalier in our game 
is to win a noble tournament oh, and commoners cool. commoners who win the people who win the commoners tournament are invited to come join us and see if they can compete in the noble tournament and if they win there they're allowed to play a cavalier without being nobility oh that's super cool i kind of oh. really like that because it's not i mean it's still sort of locked but it's not locked in a way that i feel is problematic you have like, to be you don't have to be a knight Amp you can be was. an uplifted peasant, so to speak. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. a peasant with a sword. A peasant with a really good sword. <laughs> That's something we didn't discuss when we were talking about classes. So you do have one that is, or at least just one, one that is restricted. Okay. Yes. okay. But yeah. again, it's not just limited because you can, through your own effort, win it. Yeah, there are it. more paths to it than just the, the one probably mm-hmm. very expensive, very time-consuming path. <laughs> I'm just speaking from what I've seen. In Anchor, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Love hey, it. We very fun and competitive path. Yeah, we unlock those two uh, those two classes. Everyone can revel in them being weaker than all of the other classes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit of a meme in our game where we have we have paladin and anti paladin. I've heard, and you just opened it up. Yeah, you did, and they're they're not great classes anyway. So the the argument from a lot of knights was like, I don't care if everyone has it. I don't even play that. So <laughs> let everybody else not play it too. Yeah. Uh, do I you guys art. have um, like a, a power creep kind of thing with your classes, or Good do question. they feel like they're one to one ratios? Or yeah, I mean, I would say we do have. What, so power creep in my eyes is you know ten years ago classes are more powerful than they used to be. Sure, uh, that was that's what I think of power creep. Um, do we have like a quote unquote class imbalance? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there are some classes that are better suited for specific tasks. Um, but I wouldn't say that uh, there's a low representation of any any one class. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely a representation of classes in our game that um, kind of get armor without having to wear armor. You know, magic they get magic armor or buff armor without mm-hmm. having to actually wear physical armor. Um, I think there's a higher representation of those classes, and that and there's many reasons for that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, one big reason is you don't have to own armor, and the other is you don't have to wear armor. Yeah, so comfy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in in the summer, it's great. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, with your tournaments, do you ever do tournaments where you're playing your class and it's a one v one thing, or is it just like a, a no. normal combat? Okay. Let me no, bust out three hundred syllables real quick. Please stand far <laughs> away with okay. that sword. It, so, there's been adventures similar. There's been some adventures like that, but no mm-hmm. tournament. Okay. Tournament. I'm I'm still play testing it. Uh, when I ran a tournament uh, right before COVID, I tried to implement a spell slinger category into mm-hmm. the commoners tournament because I decided to run one that year. And um, we're still tweaking of how to exactly incorporate <laughs> that, but ended up being like, yeah, who can cast off the spell and throw a, a spell ball closer to the enemy? Like we're still tuning it out, but we're trying. That's it seems like fun. We we have in the past run uh, team tournaments, which is like five man nice teams. Yeah. Um, that were class based. Okay. Um, they were a lot of fun. Uh, they were a lot of fun. And I think mm, one thing I one thing I miss when I play something like Amp Guard is um, is some of the team play aspect. Yeah, um, especially in with my more competitive competitive setting. That is something that I think Amp Guard can do much better. And um, one of the things that was pointed out is like we don't typically balance teams around like fighting companies or things like that we move people around singular yeah. people around instead of yeah. fighting with your friends and i think that's something we could do quite a bit better by one one thing uh, one thing i will say going between amp Guard and Darkon a lot um because i can i can play one each game once a weekend if i wanted to yeah i do um, is the 
um, the, I guess, uh, focus in AmpGuard is more individual. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. focus in a game like Darkon is very country and group focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, there's a very big difference between the two. And I like both aspects in their own regard. Yeah. Um, no, the more I hear about Darkon, the more I'm like, I really kind of want to play it like, yeah. pretty badly. But I'm it's just a not ton of fun. I think, it's, I think it's, you'd like it, honestly. If you like it's battle the thing games. That, mm-hmm. It's the thing that drew me into LARP, you know, way back in the day. It's my home game. I love it. Um, well, so I like to... Let me ask this. I actually wanted to ask equipment. Like if I, you know, if one of our listeners wanted to come play next weekend or whenever the next event is, um, it sounds like there's a lot of similarity between AmpGuard equipment and Darkon equipment. Um, you know, you mentioned AmpGuard bats kind of have a function in Darkon as well. So I assume weapon construction is similar. Uh, yeah, the only minimums? thing was flails. Yeah. Honestly, I think the only thing that would probably not pass would be flails. But everything that I've seen, I think the, the weapons are relatively... With the exception of some of the pole, like just because you need certain half padding for measurements in the map. Some of the map. poles and uh, arrows may not pass. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But if if you were to go close. with someone like uh, Gorg, oh uh, Gorgs, we sell Gorg. Yeah, Gorg, yeah. Gorg, Gorg actually Gorg. sells weapons that um, you know that are dark on dark on legal already. I find myself uh, plugging Gorg almost every week nowadays. But if you <laughs> Gorg's the best. Yeah, if you have to start sponsoring Gorg. us. We got to do a moratorium. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you, I love that guy. I love yeah, that we guy. love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he comes. In, he we're really good friends with him. Uh, we hang out with him. He lives down in Florida, and yeah, he makes. Uh, we're like friends for real, real. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I think he has a category on his website that is Darkon focused. That's um, nice. That's but and we don't have a weight restriction on our weapons uh, like Dagger like or Belagroth does. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no weight requirement on any of them. Um, we do have a we, the one restriction we do have is in uh, anything any shield that is larger than 36 inches is required to have a uh, a core in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thirty-six inches in any dimension. That's so we're talking like, t- like tower shields, okay. Okay, like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, but any shield that has a less, <laughs> yeah, I went less to than thirty-six huge inches. round shield. I'm like, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, a anything, huge shield any... though makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. But um, any of the smaller, like your smaller, uh, your medium shields and amp guard are going to be perfect. Um, so if someone, we have listeners coast to coast at this point now. If someone listening said, you know, this sounds pretty cool, I want to check out Darkon, how would they go about doing that? Do you have a centralized website where they could find a group near them, or where would they go? So uh, darkon.org is our website, and we do have uh, a button there that's find a chapter near you. Uh, Again, our chapters right now, they're more so centralized around Virginia and um, the Maryland, D.C. area. Um, we do have a chapter um, that it, uh, is out in Montana as well. Um, but we also have some really great annual events that we get people that fly across the country for to come visit. Um, so we've had folks like from Hawaii coming out uh, to our event really from the cool. past. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but uh, Bell Maternus, uh, that happens in the spring. It's going to be, uh, I think it's April 6th. Uh, through April 10th, happening in Culpeper, Virginia, at the Mountain Run Winery. So that's we, probably our biggest flagship event, I'd say. Did we, we just get the scoop on the 2022 dates? All right. You did. You oh, did. You all right. You heard it here first for some all reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to need to send me those dates. Like, I'm legit excited. I want to try this out. I'm putting it bad. in my phone now. Come love to have you guys out. I would love to have you. Um, I mean, we should start planning on stuff like that, honestly. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm down. Um, so I want to go back to the equipment stuff real quick because in Amped Guard we have a standard for garb that is 
bad. I'm just going to say it's bad. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking awful. Yeah, because all your guard looks way better. Yeah, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at everything in this background. I'm looking at, at Fikes's garb. I'm looking at uh, Thank Brady. You. This, this is either garb or just a really cool shirt and the armor in the background, of course. <laughs> like, this is, this is, is this we the have, standard? We have a standard we enforce. And if you do not wear the minimum garb standards, you are relegated to single sword for the day. Thank you. Oh, good. Good, good. So, um, where does that stand? At, like, I would, most of what I wear would put me at single sword. I yeah. feel like. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's where you're I most at home. Yeah. Now we, oh. you give, uh, we give new players a grace period sure. to uh, get a kit together. Of course. Um, so we don't, we don't punish new players coming out. We, mm. we want folks to have a fun time. New players, their first event's free. They get, you know, some time to go ahead and get their kit together. And we also oftentimes have days where we bring out old garb to also hook up our new players because we want them to, to, to just be able to jump in and have a good time. So with your new players, because you have the countries and stuff, and that seems a very big aspect of Darkon, um, are, do they – I guess what's a recruitment for a country, right? Like is there um, like mercenary players or do they like more or less everyone yes. kind of files into a, a country or something? Go ahead, Fikes. Sorry. The only thing I was going to say regarding new players is that in our game, every single day event starts off with new player orientation, which is like a mandatory speech for your first five events where we go over the rules and kind of like it's a cultural acceptance and, and go over things like that. And people don't immediately get shoehorned into any one country. You kind of like learn and make your friends there and kind of join the country where you make connections. People don't just funnel directly into one place. Okay. And we, find your place. we've done a lot of things to facilitate um, new players that don't have a country. So um, one of the, one of the things that we did that a volunteer started was essentially make a um, uh, it was a group. I forget what it was called. Maybe Brady. Realms Guard. Guard. Realms, Realms Guard. Guard. Realms Guard was designed around having new players um, be sort of the um, attaches to the king or the realm itself oh, right they're okay. out there they were the they're guards out there, they're coming out to help the the kingship or the throne etc like promote uh, the, the so there would be a veteran there was like a veteran that was the um kind of the leader of the realms guard and they would take new players and and show them the ropes kind of like hey let's go over here and fight these guys and that kind of that kind of stuff like be heroic and things like that i actually um, love the hell out of that idea. yeah that's like, awesome because you're oh. new you don't know where you're supposed to be so why not yeah. ride up with the king yeah. like that's cool yeah. shit. and then also like um you know kind of uh if if applicable like hey if there's a new player that's you know um aggressive like an aggressive role player they played other larps and things like that that hey i want to go do this thing they would like help them you know make you know you want to lead the group go ahead lead the group let's go let's hey you have this great idea let's go attack it um so that was one thing that was made uh, it was really cool um another thing is we have one of the things that wasn't mentioned at all previously was we have uh, a system in our game called guilds um, guilds are similar to would be similar to countries essentially houses. um like, houses maybe that's, yeah that's what houses thinking, would probably yeah. be similar yep um so it's just a group of players that all have the same you know same whatever you want to call it career path as their role play yeah so <laughs> you said uh, mentioned earlier about different characters for different classes do they cross countries sometimes or are they typically in the same some country people. yeah some, some people, some people will that. actually uh, have characters in different countries and okay. will come out to support their, you know, a country as one character and then a different country as another character. Interesting. Um, and all countries have their own recruitment process or what have you for 
mm-hmm. just the same as like a fighting company would. Do you guys have in. trials in the countries, kind of like Dag or Bell? I don't know how familiar you are with those. Um, very familiar. Yeah, so like, again, just like Dag here and Bell, it's very country specific. It's, okay. It would be country specific. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you're talking about uh, trials um, that Dag here and Bellagarth have, they're very, uh, you know, brother like brotherhood oriented like within the okay. self like we've made this thing up it's really like cool. our our like our our um like our company no quarter has its own its own way of doing things as far as elevating members to different statuses the only trial i know of from dag and bell was like downing an entire horn of ale <laughs> That I, was, think I think that was a knight's trial. That's a knight's yeah. trial. Yeah. <laughs> that's a dagger here knight trial. Yeah. A sword brothering specifically, I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Xander went through a, a, an actual, what we would consider an actual trial, right? <laughs> I like that guy. I, yeah. was, at, I was at his knight's trial. Xander is universal. I love him so much. He, he is ravenous. Here is he our Xander comrade? Hold here. up. Ravenous. Hang on, Xander. I got him in Discord. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Hold <laughs> up. I, I play, we literally play every night together. Hold up. Yeah. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. It's my boo. He, he might be yours now. Ask him where he came from. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him we can share. Hi. We can share. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's um, good. But yeah, people. so if you saw if you saw Sanders Knight's trial, um, that, that's a Knight's trial dagger here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. It was really cool. I I enjoyed I enjoyed that. And uh, yes, we've we've seen uh, those trials here at Darkon. Um, it's really dependent on. Um, actually, we had um, one of our one of our uh, company members or unit members did a, something similar um, really? at Bellum. He did a he did a fighting trial and then uh, had his knighting ceremony the next day. That's so. cool. Yeah. So, how long is your game? Is it game on? Like, is it in uh, kind of like all the time on kind of thing, or is it like very like okay. here's a battle, here's another battle, here's another battle, go get drinks, that kind of thing, or is is the nightlife different too? Um, that's kind of a stacked question, but yeah. <laughs> um, so in the, like in many many moons ago, so years ago, um, there was a lot of. There was a lot of game on throughout, like all the time, like twenty four seven style game on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more recently, uh, the adventures have—I don't want to say have a you know set time, but um, it's been more in the evenings, more community driven rather than adventure time. Interesting. Um, which I've actually really liked more than like because you know, you know, ten years ago you would raid somebody's camp at two in the morning and steal their stuff. <laughs> yeah. It'd be super annoying. I like sleep now, so that's probably yeah. not for me um, anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm also not 16 anymore. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 <laughs> um, and I really, I also really, I really like the direction that Darkon's t- been taken in the last couple of years and been really community driven in the evenings for nightlife. It's been really cool. I love the pit fights and bardic circles. Love that shit. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of volunteers that take it upon themselves to make different events happen. Like Brady, for instance, making a bardic circle and having singing and dancing and awesome entertainment for everybody. And then some of our members taking on their taking it on themselves to create what we call pit fights, which is a, a, a lighted fighting arena in the middle and with everybody it's, surrounding them, kind of like gladi- gladiator, gladiator styles. style. Um, yeah. And they're like they would be they would be they would bet actual. Um, but we have we have actual currency have- in our game. Um, it's called Dark on Gold. Um, and we would actually bet that earlier. Bet we actually other, have coin. Bet, They're pretty. Uh, cool. They would bet against other four or against players in the ring and things like so that. So you you have like really cool. 
Darkon specific minted. We have physically minted coins. That's so cool. Do those transfer from like event to event, or are they specific to that event? So yeah, so if you earn if you earn that coin at an event, you can take it to the next. So what about realm? It is a realm, like you said, the Montana group. Can the Montana group bring their stuff? If it's so, that's going to be based. That's going to be based on the team that's running. Okay, uh, Darkon. Um, It's going to be whether or not they accept it. Um, for instance, and it might be at an exchange rate too. Uh, for instance, we've had we have uh, um, a group down south where, like, they would come up with their they we would you we would take our gold to them and they would accept um, our gold as a lesser cur- form of currency. So like our gold would be quote unquote silver to them. That's so, interesting. I like that a lot actually. <laughs> I've seen um, and there's some play and the, some players get um, so generally when we when we rotate a king from one king to the next. Um, Darkon sometimes mints uh, coins of that of that king, and oh, so you cool. can kind of collect the different coins throughout the years. It's the whole point to become royalty. <laughs> I want a Teflon commemorative token. There could, so bad. There could be a flow commemorative. It could just be a beard all yeah. the way down yeah. the, the yeah, coin. Yeah, King Kai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Cogs on coins? Yeah. We already got cogs on coins. I want more cogs on coins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really cool. That's super cool. I really are, these, like that are, are they like 3D printed or wood burned? I guess it No, they're on... metal coins, my they dude. Are, Holy they're shit. Minted. They're cool. How do you even get... Like, Listen, I know we, that, got, we got we know people. Yeah, I know that Solar ahead. and Nero used to do the same thing where they had a minted coin system that, uh, that you could use. Yeah. That's cool as shit. It's cool. It's really cool. That's yeah, I like that a lot. Is it all coins or is it paper money to you? Or is no, it... all well, uh, well, there, you can have a bank there's account, also you okay. Know. You sure. can you can paper money it too. Gotcha. Oh, uh, and for large transactions uh, between like for country to country transactions, that's often how it works. Interesting. No, uh, I want a so... giant bag of coins. <laughs> yeah, with... we can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> too much real money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like for uh, country to country transactions, like for instance, if you're hiring. A bunch of players to fight with you in a war action that might be, uh, you know, writing a check. That's super you had cool. mentioned before when you were talking about the hex map how you might hire another country to go out and and take a, a, a hex for you. And I thought, what is the advantage in doing that? Money. Money. Yeah, I, like I get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. So you this actually, cool. you actually, your country actually actually earns currency based on the resources it produces throughout a season. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And a so season that's why is you would build a four, mine or three month Short term loss, oh, long term gain three sort of stuff. Series. Interesting. Yeah. I like yeah, the idea of that too. Four, four seasons a year. Okay. Yeah, I like this a lot. I remember when we had four seasons here. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just summer, summer, summer. It's fucking cold summer. <laughs> I'll uh, take global summer. warming. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I'm gonna stop melting the ice caps and we'll be fine. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, this is so to me. This this screams something that an amp garter could easily integrate themselves into. They could mm-hmm. jump over at any point oh, yeah. and they can move back and forth. Um, you said normal meetings are by by weekly, twice every every other twice. month, every other week, okay. every other week. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you could TikTok have, back we, and forth. We actually have That's a couple. What I do. <laughs> we, yeah, we, yeah, I do it. Yeah, so are we have a bunch of amp guard parks in the air in the local area that uh, meet weekly. So it's really easy to go one to the other. Rising Sun some Station, Amper, every other know, some Sunday. Places meet, some places <laughs> meet Saturday, so you could feasibly go Saturday and Sunday. You know. So just <laughs> on the off chance that someone in the area listening that does not know about Darkon. Like E. Um, like E. E. 
Are you listening? That wants to go try Darkon. What are what amp guard groups are around you that you go to? How uh, Rising Sun Station or uh, Black Crystal Horns, Not Too Far? Yes, Crystal essentially Groves. Crystal Groves is our kingdom. So like, okay, it's all all pretty drivable. But the closest ones to where we fight would be Rising Sun Station and the Hagerstown Park, um, Goldenvale. I think no, no, no. That's um, um what's their name? This uh, Wind Windham Windhaven. Windhaven, yeah, okay, yeah, that sounds right. Hagerstown is Windhaven. Rising Sun Station is Alexandria. Those are both within driving distance easily of Darkon Days. Interesting. Okay. In our area, sorry, I'm not responsible for the Silver Dane Park. Yeah, we actually have uh, <laughs> uh, since the since you know COVID restrictions have gone gone have lessened since last year. We've actually had quite a few amp carters come out um, yeah, to our events. Actually. Good stuff. Yeah. We just actually this this past weekend uh, we had our first full amp guard event since the start of covid wow. um, and for us yeah for yeah. us it was really cool it was the the highest turnout at an event we've had ever in the history of our kingdom i think wow um, everyone I, missed y'all yeah it was <laughs> yeah. it was around 160 some odd people Something i think close to that yeah um yep. and then we had uh, uh i think it was one of our most profitable events too yes um I, the stars kind of lined up. It was one of our best events ever post COVID. So I'm hoping that hits all of the other LARPs as well, because people want to come back and they want to get back into it. Mm-hmm. We've noticed that <laughs> Michael hammer of God said this a long time ago, but this is a really good time to get your families back out, get people that, have, yep. you know, used to come out and had quit for a long time and are now thinking about getting back into it. Well, I, he, he also pointed I, out that there's a lot of people that are, uh, now that they're home, they're they're stuck listening to, you know, actual play podcasts and those, like, you can see the subscriber growth for things like Roll20. Or yeah. Dimension 20. Dimension 20, yeah. Yeah. Uh, critical Role and those things. Critical Role. Yeah. yeah. And, and those are the prime people to reach out to to say, hey, you think this is cool, come do it. For realsies, yeah. yeah. I, I will say right, right now is a strike the iron wall taught for both uh, players and LARP organizations. So mm-hmm. from a LARP organization standpoint, like um, we saw a, a good uptick in the number of players that came out, and I would also say just from a cultural change and attitude change, I want it's been really awesome since um, uh, since people have been coming back out this this past you know however many months, and then. Um, from a player standpoint, I think this is this is the prime time to be getting out there and playing in some of these LARPs. Mm-hmm. Um, um, specifically because uh, I think that you can really get involved in uh, kind of, I want to say, the quote unquote, some of the beginnings, of new beginnings. Yeah. Um, so uh, for anybody, and so for anybody willing to come out to, uh, to Darkon, I will, I will say um, if you're in this area, um, that we do have a vaccination requirement as well. So. Uh, good point. <laughs> mandatory vaccinations. Yeah. Mandatory vaccinations. Well, we'd all still be good to play, so that's good news. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Um, Smart. I mean, this is this has all been really cool. I feel like a especially like we've we've been trying to branch out to other games. So we did DAG and SCA, and and now we're doing Darkon, and you know we're hoping to keep checking out out new games. But I always feel like a vulture when these these conversations come up because I'm like, ooh, fresh meat. Like I want to <laughs> I want to get inside of it and figure out how it works. And this is like every time I do these, I, I genuinely want to play them. I know. Um, I actually subscribed to the local SCA group because I wanted to go do that. I'm going to yeah. check out. Uh, I've actually subscribed to the Darkon Wargaming face group as well. Um, and you have Darkon.org. Is there a, a more local presence or is it just those two areas where we can kind of find you and, and coordinate and figure out when your events are? Uh, so uh, go ahead, Brady. This is your this is your, this is, this um, is your expertise. <laughs> so uh, as we have our different chapters, um, 
doing our specific Facebook pages are a great way to get connected with the community. Okay. So the Dark on Wargaming page you're on is more so just the place where we post up our event schedules. Um, but you would want to check out the Dark on Crownlands Facebook page. And you can find a great link to that on the uh, darkon.org website. Okay. And you can also find links to all of our other um, chapters that we have there. And uh, also lots of other cool things about our game, as well as our upcoming events. And it's all on there. So we'll Darkon. put Darkon. links to all of that in the comments below so people watching this on YouTube and, and you know listening on Spotify can find that. Um, we're at the point in our show, I don't know if you've listened before, but we're at the point in our show where we usually... Yeah, I don't want it to be. <laughs> I, I have to pee and I have to go home at some point. Um, but Fair. Yeah, but we're at the point in our show where we usually try to get like the a, a cool story or a funny story or a memorable moment. Um, you know, this is, this is always the hardest question because there's usually a lot of stuff to go through in your mind. But is there anything that stands out to you as like a, a story you'd want our audience to hear? And you don't have to incriminate yourselves in this because sometimes it's like <laughs> a story you would want our audience to hear. You know, don't, don't get yourself a friend that. that I know. Yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, you don't have to incriminate yourself, but tell the story of We were at John... the event smoking cigarettes. And... <laughs> <laughs> now, I have actually a fun one. So, um, uh, so I recently got knighted in the game for, uh, I'm, I'm not really much of a fighter, but I'm a, I'm a, thank you. I'm a really big service guy. Um, but uh, the first time I saw knighting, I was just so amazed and wowed at just seeing the whole culture come together. It was at our big feast event that we had, and it was actually Fikes that was getting knighted um, back at that time. So I was super inspired by what I saw then. I'm just like, oh man, I wanna, I wanna follow on this path. Uh, and I was actually very lucky because Fikes was who knighted me. So oh, that's um, awesome. It was, it was super amazing and awesome. It was an honor to be asked, Brady. You are just so sweet. Aww. This is, that's really Don't make cool. me cry in front of nerds. <laughs> well, all right, that's all the time we got. Thank God. No. <laughs> like I'd bail you out that easy. Does any do you do you have one as well? You know, is do we want to share anything else, or is this a good spot to maybe wrap things up? Red bikes. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, no. <laughs> it's hard. It, it's the it's the hardest easy question that you yeah, ever get. Yeah, because there's usually asked. so many things that you want to say, or like. Uh, uh, or you're like, okay, hang on. How how do I tell this without making myself get in trouble? <laughs> There's one that people like after this most recent event, everybody's asking me to tell, and I was drunk when it happened, so I don't remember the story that people are asking me to tell. That's another problem you might have. I don't Those know. are the best stories are meant to be alive. I hey Jay, buddy, I don't know what the fuck ropey blows means. I lost. That's lost to the ether. I'm the only one who's allowed to tell it apparently, but I don't remember the damn thing. Night, folks. Oh, is it that bad? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, okay, yeah, then we won't. It's good that I don't remember it, I guess. All right. Hey, oh. did you did you have something no, there? No, no, I, no I'm I good. I was. That's fine. I got, I got caught with feelings, and I have nothing to say. But I'm <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for yeah. uh, for coming on. Just to do a quick recap, have we ha as we have on all of our other episodes. Um, Darkon is a game that is very similar to Amp Guard. It has a class structure that is similar to the way that the class structure that Amp Guard works. Um, for people that are currently playing Amp Guard, the way that the different groups are structured would be more closely related to fighting companies or units. If you were in uh, uh, Dagger Bell, um, your 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 park meetings are usually every other week, and you have larger meetings six times a year. 
uh, where with one big event that would be the equivalency to our Gathering of the Crowns. Or uh, Keep, maybe. Yeah, or Keep, um, <laughs> since Gathering of the Crowns doesn't get anyone there anymore. <laughs> the <laughs> but um, uh, your, your magic system would be very recognizable. Uh, this is charging spell balls, throwing spell balls. Your, uh, your weapon tech is something that all of us are already going to be familiar with because we all buy from Gorg. Everyone should buy from Gorg. <laughs> the- Darkon is Amthgard if Amthgard tried to be more like D&D. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I had a long yeah. explanation, and then there's that. So. Kind of what it felt like. Um, I, th- I think Darkon is kind of the bridge between Dagger here and Amthgard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, links are in the in the comments below. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, they're in a weird spot. If you listen on Spotify, I've learned they put it in a weird location. But look for them; they're somewhere. Um, so links will be provided for everybody to check this out. Find your local chapter. Um, I'm gonna hit this this outro. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, bottle. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube or Spotify to get notified about new episodes. And make sure to follow us on Facebook for announcements and more.